0: All right, welcome back to the listener's commentary on the Gospel of Mark. In this recording, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 10, verse 46, down through chapter 11, verse 11. And just keep the context in mind. In Mark ten thirty two, Mark told us that they were on their way to Jerusalem. And Jesus has been spending more time teaching the 12 to make sure they're ready for what lies ahead. He's been warning them that when they get to Jerusalem, he's going to be rejected and killed. But then he'll rise again. They're struggling to really grasp both that this is going to happen and what it all means. But Jesus has been trying to help them really get this. Well, now in this section, they arrive traveling through Jericho and up uh, to the Mount of Olives. Jesus is going to make his royal entry into Jerusalem. He's going to enter into Jerusalem as a humble king riding on a donkey, just as the prophet Zechariah had said in Zechariah chapter 9. And Jesus is going to make this ride into Jerusalem, being hailed as king by the crowds that are with him as he makes this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Here's how the scene unfolds. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 46 says, Then they came to Jericho. And so Mark told us in verse 32 that they're on their way to Jerusalem. Now he notes where they're at in their journey. They came to Jericho. Jericho is to the east of Jerusalem. And frequently Jews traveling to Jerusalem would travel along the eastern side of the Jordan River cross over the river, and then into the city of Jericho. And then, after staying in Jericho for a day or two, then they would make the long ascent up through the hills, uh, over the Mount of Olives, and then down into Jerusalem. And so, that's where we're at. We're at the city of Jericho. And later, Mark tells us, as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd... A beggar who was blind named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. Notice the, Mark's clarification, Bartimaeus in Hebrew, bar means son of Timaeus. And so Mark translates that for his non-Jewish readers, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And so Jesus is here traveling with a large crowd of pilgrims all heading up to Jerusalem for the feast the 12 are along with him when he meets this beggar mark says this happened as he was leaving jericho but luke says it happened as he approached jericho how do we explain the difference well Couple of different ways we could look at it. One is there are actually two Jericho's in Jesus' day. There was the old city, which was sparsely inhabited, and there was the new city, which was about a mile to the south. So both could actually be true. You could be leaving the old city and approaching the new city where most of the population lived. Plus, some scholars note that the phrase Luke uses when he says approaching Jericho could just be in the vicinity of Jericho. So Jesus is in the vicinity of Jericho and he meets a beggar. And verse 47, when he, that is Bartimaeus, the beggar, when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Beggar's blind, so he can't see what's going on, but he can hear, and he can hear what sounds like a large crowd, and presumably he begins to ask what's going on, who's traveling through. Well, once he hears that Jesus is going by, he then springs into action we would have to assume that he must have heard of Jesus before, right? That's the implication of the way the story unfolds, that he's heard of Jesus before. That means he's heard the stories about Jesus' power before. And so he knows this is the chance of a lifetime. And so he springs into action. But verse 48, many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Notice that twice Mark has recorded his cry as Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then again in verse 48, son of David, have mercy on me. The phrase son of David, it's a royal title. The son of David was a way of referring to the Messiah. And in the ensuing scene that follows in chapter 11 that we'll look at here momentarily, the crowd hails Jesus as the one who is bringing in the kingdom of our father, David. All of the son of David, the kingdom of our father, David, this all derives from 2 Samuel chapter 7, where David is promised a perpetual dynasty. That is that there will be someone sitting on the throne of David forever and ever. Uh, The ultimate fulfillment of that promise, obviously there was the immediate fulfillment, David's son Solomon, and then there was uh, the continuing descendants all the way up to the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. But the ultimate fulfillment of that promise would be the Messiah, the son of David, the, the king who's going to come and reign and make everything right. And so the ultimate fulfillment of that is the Messiah. So when this beggar is crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's addressing Jesus as the Messiah and he's asking him to help. Well, verse 49, Jesus hears and Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they call Bartimaeus, the man who was blind, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. And verse 50, throwing off his cloak, he, that is Bartimaeus, jumped up and came to Jesus. And so when he hears that Jesus is calling him, with excitement, he jumps to his feet. He gets the cloak out of the way, and he came to Jesus as quickly as he could. And verse 51, replying to him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the man who was blind said to him, Rabboni, which is my rabbi. It's a title of honor and respect. So Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Notice he doesn't tone down his request. He goes for gold and he believes Jesus can do it. He just says, I want to regain my sight. And the implication is, and I'm convinced you could actually do that for me. And Jesus does. Verse 52, Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately, he regained his sight and began following Jesus on the road. And so Jesus heals him. Bartimaeus gains his sight. He doesn't go home. He doesn't leave. He joins the crowd of pilgrims around Jesus and begins following following Jesus on the road out of Jericho and up to Jerusalem. Well, the story continues in chapter 11 with them having made the trip up to the top of the Mount of Olives look at verse 1 of chapter 11 as they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives and so after nearly 15-16 miles of climbing they approached the peak of the road from Jericho to Jerusalem Jericho sits at about 720 feet below sea level, and the Mount of Olives rises to about 2,700 feet above sea level. So this this hike from Jericho to the Mount of Olives is a long, steep climb. And they are near two little towns, Bethphage and Bethany, um, that are in the hills east of Jerusalem, still up there around the Mount of Olives in those hills to the east of Jerusalem. Bethany is actually where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live, if you're familiar with the stories about them, particularly from John's Gospel. Well, it actually seems like Bethany is going to be the place Jesus stays during this uh, Passover week here in Jerusalem. He's going to visit Jerusalem on the daily, but he's going to be spending the nights out in Bethany, maybe at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. Well, as they approach these two towns and they approach the Mount of Olives, the peak of their climb, Jesus actually sends two disciples ahead with these instructions. Verse 2, and he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. So Jesus instructs two of his disciples to go and find a donkey's colt in one of these villages, presumably Bethany, but we're not 100% certain, and bring this colt to him. And Mark doesn't Point it out like Matthew does, but this is exactly how Zechariah describes the Messiah's entrance into Jerusalem. And so when they go get this colt and Jesus is going to ride this colt into Jerusalem, this is a strongly symbolic action. Listen to these words from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And in its original context in Zechariah, this picture is contrasted with the war horse. So the king riding on a donkey comes to bring peace, not war. And so this action is the king, the Messiah, Jesus, the king coming into Jerusalem. And Jesus instructs these two disciples that he sends on this mission, what they should say if anyone questions them as they're untying this colt. Verse three, and if anyone says to you, Jesus says, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. My assumption is, although it's not totally clear, that Jesus had made some sort of arrangements with the owner previously, prior to this moment. It's possible. Uh, that maybe Jesus, as being well-known in the area, since he has close friends in the area, it's possible that he just assumes that once someone says the Lord has need of it, they'll understand and send it. But my guess is he's made prior arrangements with the owner of this donkey. And so uh, Jesus sends these two into the nearby village. They find the colt. And here's what happens. Verse four, they went away found a colt tied at the door outside in the street. And they untied it, just as Jesus had instructed. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying that colt? And they told them, just as Jesus had said, and they gave them permission. So these bystanders, in some sense, have uh, authority over this colt, and they want to know what's going on when these two disciples tell them what Jesus said. The Lord has need of it. They gave them permission, say, take the colt. And verse 7, they brought the colt to Jesus. They put their cloaks on it. So they laid their outer garments, their cloaks on this colt. And Jesus sits on the colt. And verse 8, many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. And so the spreading out of garments along the road really represents a way of paying homage to a person of high rank. It may even recall Jehu's welcome as king into Jerusalem way back in Second Kings chapter 9. But it, Whether it recalls that story or not isn't so much the thing as this is a way of basically giving the red carpet treatment. This is like paying homage to a person of high rank. And and the leafy branches are described as palm branches in John's uh, gospel in that account of this event. And that's the reason we call it Palm Sunday. And so they're waving branches, they're laying out branches, they're putting their cloaks on the ground. This is a royal parade. And Jesus now is going to enter into Jerusalem in really royal parade. So you have to picture the scene. They've crested the Mount of Olives. They're beginning to head down the western side of the Mount of Olives with Jerusalem in full view right in front of them. Uh, And not only that, as they head down that, it's not just Jerusalem, it's the temple right in front of them. And the messianic fervor now has reached fever pitch. And as they begin their descent into the city... Here's what happens, verse 9. And those who went in front, and so Jesus on this colt. There's this crowd of people that he's been traveling with. Now they're entering into the city, and the crowd is in front of Jesus escorting him into the city, and now the crowd is behind him. So in the middle of this crowd is Jesus on this colt with people all around him, and they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the covenant coming kingdom of our father david hosanna in the highest and these words are from psalm 118 verses 25 and 26 and psalm 118 is a once again a messianic psalm a royal kingly psalm And the word Hosanna that they're shouting, Hosanna, actually reflects Psalm 118.25. And that word Hosanna is an exclamation of praise that means literally, Save, I beg you. Save, I plead. And it represents the Jewish cry for God to come and deliver his people. And so they're crying this out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so they're announcing Jesus as the the king coming in the name of the Lord. And they reflect on it. Verse 10 isn't from Psalm 118. Verse 10 is their own reflection on how they understand what's happening here and Uh, how they're applying Psalm 118 to this present moment. And so verse 10, when they say, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Well, that's the crowd saying, this is Psalm 118 being fulfilled. We believe that uh, the, the messianic kingdom, the kingdom of our father David, is going to come right here, right now. And they're right. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of David. He is going to establish his kingdom. It's just not going to look like what they thought, and it's not going to happen how they thought. Well, Jesus completes his ride down the hillside into the city of Jerusalem, and verse 11 wraps this majestic scene up very simply and somewhat anticlimactically, like this. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. So he comes into probably that eastern gate on that side of Jerusalem. He enters in, and he goes up into the temple area, like the courtyards of the temple. And the temple was massive. We'll talk about it more in a later episode. But it's a massive structure, massive area. And Jesus enters into that, looking around at everything. So it sounds like he just kind of wanders through the temple, and he's looking at everything, checking everything out, because Jesus has plans for this week. And he has plans for tomorrow. But right now, it's late in the day, so he looks around at everything. And then he left for Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. And only Mark mentions this. Both Matthew and Luke, they don't mention Jesus entering the temple and leaving. Instead, they actually jump ahead to the very next scene. The scene that Mark specifies actually happens on the next day. Matthew and Luke, they just kind of telescope the whole thing together. Don't mention that there is a, a, that it's late afternoon that Jesus is going to come back the next day and do this. But Mark does. And so it makes sense. Traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem, it's a journey of about 20 miles. Most of it's uphill and quite steep, right? So it's no wonder that it's late in the day. And so Jesus simply enters into uh, the temple. He looks around. It's already late in the day, and Jesus, I'm sure, then walks back to Bethany, reflecting on the day, reflecting on what what he saw in the temple, um, and he's going to have plans for the next day. So they leave the city. They return back up the hill that they had just come down in Royal Parade, back out to Bethany for the night where Jesus is going to stay during Passover week. Perhaps at, as I noted already, at Martha and Mary and Lazarus's house. Now, before we leave this scene, it's just important to realize it's clear, and I emphasize it as we went through it, but it's just important to realize this really is the king returning to Jerusalem. This is the return of the king. Uh, The son of David has returned to his city, the city of Jerusalem. And though it's a a crowd of pilgrims that acknowledges it. And though in the other gospels, right, the Jerusalem leadership rejects it and they try to get Jesus to silence the crowd. um, It's not like, you know, immediately he comes into the city and he sits on his throne and everyone hails him as king. It's a small portion of the people that are there for Passover. Nevertheless, Zechariah 9 is fulfilled in this moment. The king returns to Jerusalem in this moment. But it's not his coronation day. His coronation day will come towards the end of the week. And Mark will present that to us then. But this is the king returning to Jerusalem. And so as we read this story and we look at this, what we have to remember is Jesus fully embraces this moment. And he rides as king into the city of Jerusalem. And he knows what's coming for himself. He also knows what's coming for the city of Jerusalem. He's going to talk about that in a couple days. Um, Nevertheless, Jesus, the King, has returned to Jerusalem. Hey there. The Listener's Commentary is a listener-supported, crowd-funded Bible teaching effort made possible by a team of a number of generous supporters. So thanks a ton for your support. And if you've been blessed by this uh, this ministry, would you just prayerfully consider joining the team of supporters? You can do so at the link down below in the notes, or you can go to listenerscommentary.com, click the Give button, and set up a one-time or a monthly donation. All donations are received in partnership with World Family Mission, a nonprofit organization that gives financial help and oversight to ministries such as this. Thanks a ton for your support.